Are we talking? Who who gets the first word? I don't know. Are we talking? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's record recording recording. Test 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 test. Okay. Welcome. So welcome. I'm just testing out some different radio okay. voices. This won't be on the show. This is. Now we're gonna edit this out. Probably not. Okay. Well, good. The word I want to talk about is exercomai. So when you're ready, say it again. Exercomai. Okay. Let me take a crack at it. Ex okay. meaning outer. Outside. Yeah, good. X Arco. Erco. Erco. Erco my. I don't know what Erco might mean. My how do you spell that? M A I? Epsilon Rho Kio Omicron Mu. Omicron. Alpha. I, I, I had Yoda. Erco my. Um I don't know. You 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 better tell me. I don't know this those is a ones. Greek word. Erkomai means to come or to go. It's interesting. It's to be in movement, okay. essentially. So it's not uh, erkomai. It, I mean, come or go. Is it should like, I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go now? Is it like nomadic, that kind of context? No, it's just the verb that the Greeks use for go, going, coming. Uh, okay. That's like alle in French. Uh, yeah, that's a familiar term if you're a cyclist. Yeah, ale, ale, ale. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and but that means go, 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 right? Yeah. So in the Strong's concordance for Erkomai, it's got different different usages of it: are arrival, arrived, brought, came, come, comes, come, entered, expects, falls, fall, give, go, going, grown, lighting. <laughs> Next turned went, so that seems like it could be a little confusing. Sure. Okay. And you're bringing this up because because you had me watch start watching the chosen, right? And at the end of the first, I hate to the spoiler alert. Spoiler alert for one episode, because that's all you've gotten into it, right? You don't see Jesus. You get introduced to. A woman they call Lilith or Lily. Yeah. And then you get introduced to Andrew and Simon, who have 20th century debt collection problems, tax problems, interest, usury. This is, uh, yeah. okay, I'm so long story short, podcast listeners, Bobby wants to talk about The Chosen at some point, which is what? Give us some background on it. The Chosen is a TV series. Um, Crowdfunded TV series, which is quite exceptional. Depicting the ministry of Jesus. That's the one sentence pitch. Done by like regular Joes, right? Well, I assume that... Uh, With some sort of experience. They have some filmmaking experience. I haven't really dug into the past productions of the director and the production crew, but it's, it's well made. It's, it's, you know, and the, it's the acting's good. It's free. You can go watch this online at, 
Um, the, if you just search The Chosen. I don't remember what their website is, but let's do it right here so we can send people there. But you can watch it free without an email address or anything like that. Just at their website. It's like Angel Studios. Watch.angelstudios. Yeah. Which is great. They're offering it for free, which is... Uh, it has a 100% quite incredible. A 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I would give them a 100% for effort. But you haven't only, you've only watched one, one episode. But the word is exercomai. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and this is a problem in uh, all of Christendom that I'm going to bring up here. And these are, these, the guys who made this are, are I don't know what, if they claim a denomination, but they're evangelical Protestant Christians. It's not an LDS uh, production, although there was some use of LDS facilities here in the great state of Utah. Yes. By the way, we're the Mind Virus Show. I'm Bobby Flood. That's Jordan Bruno. Today is Monday, September 26, 2022. Find us, mindvirus.show, all your favorite podcast aggregators and propagandists. We are your favorite podcast. <laughs> we are your single source of podcast truth. <laughs> well, okay, so the... The Chosen is well done. It's very nicely done. It was interesting. That's mm -hmm. the thing. The, a, lot of, a lot of Bible videos are kind of ho-hum, right? And a lot of times they have kind of a goofy Jesus, which mm -hmm. uh, that's got it. Okay, so or say, just, say you're trying to come up with a list of roles that would be difficult to fill. Difficult, like, yeah. how are we going to, who are we going to have play this guy? Right. Jesus would probably be the top of the list of the most difficult well, roles to fill. He's either goofy or he's so bland and boring. And if you ever went to LDS Seminary, you know what I'm talking about. Forsooth, yonder lies right. Juliet. <laughs> well, anyway, go on. Yeah, you're, no, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, one time I had, I had long hair and a beard at one point. I remember. Yeah, and I was at a exhibiting at a local expo, and I had four women come up to me and wanted to paint me as Jesus. And I said, "Do you really know what he looks like? Because <laughs> I don't think I look like him. My guess is he looks different than me." Well, you had long hair and a beard. That's all you need to know. See, that's what I'm saying. Is those what seem to be the qualifications, the standard qualifications for Jesus in these movies? Is well, we need some guy with long hair and a beard. Let's get that guy. And this guy can play Peter, and that guy can play John, you know, whatever. But people back in that area of the world at that time probably did have long hair and beards. Yeah, it's very possible. Beards for sure. Yeah, I think that that's a pretty good bet. It's just not, you know, we judge history based on a few artifacts. Well, right. It's like if they found. If they found, uh, w w how would that work in the modern era? They'd find uh, a, a cell phone probably and they would uh, wonder what these little guys were, 
right? Well, we'll never have that happen. I mean, the, the, the world will never have to dig for clues about us unless there's some sort of nuclear holocaust fallout, ex, you know, destruction. Why, you don't think that's going to happen? Well, it could. But otherwise, there'll never be, there'll never be archaeologists digging around looking for iPhones and flat screen TVs. There's just too much documentation of our society now. Yeah, on the electronic. I'm not saying that things are going to never change, but I, I think we've, we've... The elements melt with fervent we, heat. What we, will do, under what we will do is... Ash. What, what we will do is just forget. We, for, we will forget what it was like. It's like the 1980s. There's only a few of us that really remember what the 1980s were like. So we'll just change the story. Well, that, that story's already being changed. Yeah. Okay, so you can see potentially the problems with the Bible and uh, ancient times. Okay, so ch- Luke chapter 8 starts with a verse that they, f- they finally get to. And you know what? I think it's great. I like that they're taking license here. But and if, we d- if we do talk about the New Testament, I'm going to have all kinds of stuff to say that's out of the ordinary, I think. Uh. If, if we're going through The Chosen, the first episode, the th- one of the things that bothered me, I'm going to just pick two things, okay? Just two things, I'm going to okay. leave it alone. Okay. Luke, or not Luke, <laughs> Peter and Andrew are talking like, they, like they've had a payday loan, uh, like, like they, they're caught in a, debt, a modern debt trap, which just, okay, guys, that just irks me because th- they're worried about selling their boat to uh, cover taxes. their tax debt. So you've got the Romans acting like the IRS. Which they would have been. Oh, okay, there's, there's three things. Because <laughs> no, they would not have been. <laughs> well, they were tax collectors. There, there were was... tax collectors, but that's not the way it would have worked. It, there wasn't this uh, 50% interest every week or whatever. There was, okay. Sure. I would recommend everybody read a book uh, put together. It's like a little eighth grade textbook style type of a thing called Charting the New Testament by Jack Welch and John Hall of BYU Mm -hmm. of Farms. Mm -hmm. Okay, both uh, reputable sources. The first thing you need to know about Judea at the time of Christ is that they were very, very independent. All right, and that's why the Romans were successful there was less than a cohort of Roman soldiers in all of Palestine. So this is my third thing I'm remembering that's bugging me here because what they're setting up in The Chosen, I haven't watched it yet, is this big dramatic conflict between the Romans and the Jews. And that did not exist. The, the Jews were very happy to have the Romans in the land. The, uh, Herod's, I believe it was Herod's father, the I can't remember the sorry I'm going to get this all wrong but in roughly 60 AD there was a problem with the Jewish royal family and the Sanhedrin and the the local aristocracy really invited Rome to come in and ma- it was it's like it would have been like California or Arizona or whoever joining the union mm-hmm. in essence but everybody understood everybody understands that the megapolis of New York to Baltimore controls the country that's rome right. and california is judea right or or arizona is judea let's just call it that because Cal- california would probably have been egypt and carthage which was carthage was 
overcome during the Punic Wars. Th- those were the Phoenicians. These these were the seafaring people in the region of the Levant. The Levant is the greater greater Middle Eastern area, right there in the Mediterranean. And there was a there was a struggle for primacy after Egypt sort of fell into ruin. You had the Greeks vying with others, and then the Romans were vying with everybody. And the their main adversary was Carthage, which is in North Africa. And then the Punic Wars occur. Here's and- the thing, and I say I say this gently: the audience doesn't care. They should care. They don't. The audience should care because but the how, Bible did not occur in a vacuum. I know, I know. But how do you how do you do what you've just started to explain in a television show without just making people bored? I'm not saying you were boring. <laughs> I'm saying in the context of a television show, because they never claimed they never claimed to be historically. Oh no no no! Uh, but I'm just telling you what bugs me. Accurate. I'm telling you what bugs me. I got, I got you. Okay, so the Bible didn't occur in a vacuum, and you're, you're right. How would we tell? How would we reinvent the biblical narrative and make it believable <clears throat> without a history lesson? And so what, what, they, what they have done is taken liberties, big-time liberties, like the story of Andrew and Simon and the tax burden. Well, the, po- the point is that and almost everybody does this, and it is, it's possible that the people in... Um, in these situations when it's possible that the people setting up the movies wanted to deflect attention from the Sanhedrin. It was the Sanhedrin that crucified Christ. I know. And they said the they, Romans, they, you got to keep watching. Okay. But the, the way they're pitching the, they're, the way they're putting this is as if the, the Jews, the, the Ben-Hur, Ben-Hur with uh, Charlton Heston does mm-hmm. this. It sets up this idea that they're under this massive oppression as if it was the Americans in Iraq or the Americans in and Afghanistan. It, it, it's not that overbearing in the series. There was less than a cohort of Romans in the Romans, Palestine. The Romans in the series are present. They play a, a prominent role, but they're... They're not mm-hmm. as okay. oppressive well, as first, you are. As in your the first, first episode. Right. Well, they're just establishing the world. Right, which is wrong. Well, maybe. But that's the first <clears> thing, <throat> uh, that's the first thing I want to point out, because there, the pre- there was always the ever-present threat of the Roman legions coming in, if you're people, sure. but that's like a year away. It's like right. you guys screw up, and then, or you guys really start to rebel, not just screw up, because... <clears throat> The, the Romans were so successful because they, fought, they had two forms of law. They had what's called jus gentium, which means the law of the people, and that was ho- called home rule. And they had jus civil, or civil. Uh, I think the, the C is actually pronounced with a, a K sound. So what that means is if you were a Roman citizen, you had different rules. You had the Roman right. law that protected you. And if you were not a Roman citizen, then you fell to home rule, which right. means... That's why Jesus was judged by the Sanhedrin, and and, and Paul was judged by the Romans, because Paul was a citizen. That dynamic is portrayed. It is addressed and portrayed. Okay. You're making a... A A mountain out of a molehill. Well, and and you've only seen the one episode. Okay. So that was two seasons. That bugged me. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because, and that's that's typical of the... Uh, of the Jesus movies and stuff is that there there's always these this oppressive Roman presence. If there were Romans at the hill where Christ was crucified, it would have been simply to keep the peace, and it yeah. would have been the Sanhedrin's temple guard that nailed him to the cross. And again, all of that, and 
and so, somewhat spoiler, the crucifixion has not happened in the series yet. Does the crucifixion happen in this series? Uh, they're they're working on the series. Oh, they're not to that point. Season three. So they they may use their creative license. But they they I think they do a good job of the Roman and Jewish dynamic. Mm-hmm. The the Romans are sort of there in this role of like you said, peacekeeper and kind of a curiosity. Which the New Testament reflects. So have you seen, have they gotten to John chapter 3? I see they're setting up Nicodemus for an encounter with Christ. Nicodemus uh, is, is prominently featured in season 1. Yeah, and do, do, do they have the whole, a man must be born again discussion? Yeah. Oh, it's, cool. It's very good. Okay. I, th- I think I like, I really like what they did with Nicodemus. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Good. Well, he's set up for a repentance, a change of heart, right? You need to watch the okay. show. <laughs> so the historical context bothers me. That always bothers me. The second thing that bothered me was the, the indigent circumstances of Andrew and Peter. Again, another good book to read, again, by uh, Dr. John Hall is... New Testament witnesses of Christ. Mm-hmm. Peter and Andrew were probably from a fairly wealthy fishing family. They probably had a, a fleet of boats. There was not the same type of a tax problem that we have with the modern IRS. It was definitely a tax. There, there definitely were taxes, but this Rome was successful for a lot longer than we've been successful for certain reasons. Yeah, and I, I, our I, situation I, is worse. Is what <laughs> I want to say. You've brought that up before, and I think there's some good merit to that idea that Simon and, and Andrew were wealthy merchants or at least successful fishing merchants. Successful enough, yeah. And they weren't like these and, guys running around in loincloths and... Well, they're not in loincloths in the show. Well, I know, but that's sometimes they're depicted as like cavemen style people. Uh, I, yeah, I know. I liked, I'll tell you what I did like. I did like that they gave life to Peter. He's like, got a wife, he's yeah, in love, and, he's got a brother, he's pulling, <clears throat> he, he, he's pulling like adventurous exploits and peter could very well have been that type of a guy maybe not i i wouldn't say that he was borderline nefarious or evil like it with malin malevolent intent i think he was an honest fellow who who had good intent but he was like an action i don't know if i'd call him an action type but he was definitely somebody who would take action oh he was was an action type for sure would be willing to i think based on what we know and that's the strength of the series is they take all of these characters we can call them characters in the story, and they bring life to them. They mm-hmm. give them backstories. They give them strengths and weaknesses. Sure. They show them struggle. They they uh, they paint a picture that is might be inaccurate. Mm-hmm. They they acknowledge that. Sure, I, I know, I know, I know. But here's <laughs> but it's a picture. It's a better picture than anyone else has ever done. Okay, so before we talk about this, this. <clears throat> Here's the, here's the epic fail, and it's, it's Mary Magdalene. Because we find out at the end that Lilith is Mary. Right. And I had to rewind it. To, I was like, did they call her Lilith? Lilith is the, the traditional name of the unfaithful wife of Adam that... Uh, right, the first wife. ...copulates with Satan or something like that to produce Cain in certain old, old traditions. <clears throat> and so they call, her, they call her Lilith... And then at the end of it, you see Jesus cast the devil out of her, mm-hmm. which is a tradition that comes from Luke chapter eight, verses one through two. And it came after, 
It came to pass afterward that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom, and the twelve were with him, and certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Mm-hmm. Ex erco mai. Okay. A lot of ambiguity here, and that works really well for the Catholic Church in the fifth, sixth centuries when they decide that uh, Jesus never was married, when they decide that um, we have to cast Mary Magdalene as a prostitute so that there's no doubt that Jesus would never marry a prostitute. Sure. And the other tradition, if you've seen the Da Vinci Code, of course, right, is that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene. Right. Now, given, again, we have to look at this in the context of the creators of the show and what their belief is and what they what sources they have no we we do but we don't have to <laughs> again they're they're taking these characters and they're giving them backstories yeah. and and developing them character development in fact the the first if i remember the first episode right the first person you meet is young mary magdalene that opening scene yep and you don't know it at the time yep and so they've taken what's in the text and they've run with it. Mm-hmm. And again, I think whether it's accurate or not is debatable. Well, but I think it's they take clues in the text and they extrapolate them into some character development. And they did a really good job at that. They did, and you're right. You're right. And they would never sell <clears throat> any of these free episodes if they did it my way. <laughs> no, that's not exact. Not not but necessarily. Here's, here's what it says. It says, and certain women who had been cured from uh, pneumaton poneron, wicked, malicious, slothful, evil, and other asthenieron, which is uh, infirmities, maladies, whatever, and Mary, who is called Magdalene, which means the lady from the high place or the lady of the tower, who he led through seven shining places or through seven heavenly places. That's the way that should be interpreted. <clears throat> there's no doubt that there's uh, problems with the modern depiction of not just Mary, but a lot of women in the scriptures. And I think that was done over time, probably deliberately. It's, it, I think so too, and I've already established that. <clears throat> and that is, of course traditional that that story is very traditional the the story of mary and and they want to every every filmmaker wants to have something there between christ and mary they want to have something to make the lord have that passion Mm -hmm. for a woman and you want to know why because he does <laughs> because well, they know it resonantly in their souls and he has it for a, an incredible woman one that's one that is his equal and so i i guess i'm rushing to her defense because she was not a lilith character and she did not need to have seven devils cast from her in fact she would have been <clears throat> accompanying her eternal companion to use Mormonese <laughs> to accomplish his mission in this world 
and would have been a, a requisite part of the situation for our salvation. And hence, we wear the dunce cap when we allow this to stand. I'm done. No, you're, you're probably right. But again, they, we, you, you have more different than, perspective. A different perspective, and, and they're going off of the text that they have and the, the beliefs that they have. And, I, I get that. But you're right. You're right. But, flood, you are correct but, as usual. But they do an excellent job, again, of Mary's development. I, 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 and they have her as a constant companion to Jesus after that. Okay. Redemption or the, the casting out. But they also have her they see one of the things that <clears throat> the the chosen has done a great job of. Again, accurate or not, we could always talk about, but they've done a great job of taking these flat, one-dimensional characters that are usually portrayed in religious media as somber and quiet and boring and speaking King James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. King Jamesian English kind right. of sets a tone. And if you if you've ever been to church, <clears throat> you you know, you have like it's like we're reading Shakespeare or something, but worse. That's the that's the There's... flavor that we get with our our um scriptural personalities. Right. And I have two comments. And there, now. And, and I, there are no personalities. That's the point. In these Depictions. Yes, yeah, because yeah, it doesn't mean anything to us for them to say and things. And so the way they've they do. taken these flat characters, and L- the LDS media has done the same thing with the Book of Mormon, and the Angel Studios. I can't remember the the name of the director is Dallas something. Do you still have that information up there? Let me see. I might. I've got I've got the website right here. But they, what they've done is taken these characters that are traditionally presented it as very flat with no character arc, and they've given them depth, and they've given them a character arc. They've given them personalities and stories that you care about, and they've given them occupations that sometimes aren't talked about in the scriptures. For example, Thomas is a caterer, <laughs> and I don't think that's implied in the scriptures. Maybe it is, but he's... Dallas a, Jenkins is the guy's name. Right. And Thomas, and I don't want to give too much away, but Thomas, his sort of revelatory moment comes, Thomas is the caterer at the, at the wedding where Jesus turns water into wine. Okay. And Thomas witnesses that miracle, and that's his introduction to do Jesus. They, do they make Thomas out to be his uh, stepbrother? I, I don't think so yet. I don't think so. But he he is. I don't remember. You don't remember? Okay. But but the point is that they give these guys, you know, we know that, did you meet Matthew in the series yet? He's the tax collector, yeah. right? And we know that from the record. He's young. That's kind of cool. They have these guys not oh, Well, they give, they give him a personality. He's like an OCD. That you never would have thought of that. Yeah. Makes sense now. Whether it's accurate or not, I don't know. But it makes sense. Okay, so that was my first point: is that <clears throat> accuracy is always going to be a question because this is legend. This is H- way back historical. But at least accuracy. we could get in the ballpark. That's all I'm saying. Well, is they we could are. At least they're definitely in the ballpark. I think they're in the infield. Again, you. you I understand where you're coming from. 
with I, I get it. And I think as you watch, you need to watch more episodes. I think that if we knew exactly what had happened, we would be astounded of course. at our misunderstanding. I'm sure you're right. Okay. And and here's what I here's one point, okay? Like, you know when they cry repentance, you know when you hear these scriptural prophets cry repentance. And we may have talked about this on this show. We've talked about the word repentance meaning yeah. change your mind or to expand to have a dramatic shift of your heart <clears throat> and mind. And so you need to you need to think about what it would sound like if someone came to you or to your bishop or your stake president or your local uh, city council or your you know the governor of the state or whatever. Somebody had an audience there and they said to them or to you, you ne- you have a fundamental misunderstanding of how you view the world and you need to change your heart and mind and expand your open yourself up to greater understanding and adopt that or you will be destroyed. How mm-hmm. well does that go over? Could you get up in church and say that to your neighbors? Well, people did do that. That's recently. what I'm saying is that's what it meant when they said repent or be or you'll be destroyed. That's literally what it meant back in the day. That's right. the context. People have been doing this over the last couple of years. You have moms going in front of school boards. Alex Jones. You have you have people going Dr. Peter McCullough. Yes, you have people, you know, you have Fauci in front of Congress getting grilled. There's been variations of this, and it doesn't go over well with the people in charge. The people in charge don't like to be told they need to change or else they'll be destroyed. So what they end up doing is cutting off John the Baptist's head. Right. Because that's exactly what he did with Herod. Right. And it's exactly what they did but with I'm Jesus just trying to prove, later I'm on. I'm just trying to prove your point that the language is dead to us. <clears throat> yeah. Because that's what happened. And I think that's why you like this, is because they do put it into a more relevant conversational well, tone. I, I like it for several reasons. One, I think it's really good storytelling. Just from a storyteller mm-hmm. perspective, it's really good. I think they did a great job on uh, casting and wardrobes and locations. They give lesser characters context and backstory. For example, the, the cripple that Jesus heals at the, at the pool. Mm-hmm. We get to know him, which is pretty cool. Uh, lepers, you get to know. The woman at the well, uh, and so forth. And again, I know it's all <clears throat> a lot of liberties, but where they nail it, is Jesus himself. And that's the core of the whole story, right? Sure. Not I just, just think their we should story. take the right liberties. That's all I'm well, saying. I'm yeah, not I arguing think in with their you mind, about liberties. I think in their mind they they did. I mean, and who's to say oh, what's absolutely. the right or wrong liberties when there's th- so much historical ambiguity, sure. as you pointed out. Sure, sure. I, yeah, who's to say? Well, I think we all have an opinion on that. Right. Some of us have different opinions than the mainstream. But th- I guess their counter argument would be, we raised the money. <laughs> and I agree. And we made the I, films. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that. The question is how much time and effort I'm going to put into watching this and how much aggravation I, I want to give myself. I think you should just sit back and watch it for what it is. Because there, there are some things where I'm like, well, maybe. Like what? Well, you know, doctrinally, they take a, a more Protestant evangelical view of things but i think again those are minor things for me i think what they've done is remarkable and the other remarkable thing is how popular it is like people are hungry for 
for a cool Jesus. So what what do you like about cool? But what do you like about Jesus? I think they're hungry for for depictions of these people that move us that or that are real that are, that are relatable that are relatable and real and and give them some some life because these are pretty remarkable people and and in that sense i think it's good i do <clears throat> think that's that's good but also <laughs> you if, if you've been listening to this show or if you listen to my cosmology podcast or whatever. Oh, I did finish that, by the oh, way. Oh, you listened to that. Okay, I did. good. Thank you. I had a long, a couple of long drives. Yeah, I, there you go. And I listened to it. Well, you know what I'm going to say then is that the idea of counterfeit understanding factors heavily into our salvation. And sure. so this is why I think getting to the bottom of the narrative or the correct narrative is uh, a worthy uh, time to spend your energy, a, a worthy endeavor. It, it's a, it's a big problem. So if you, and this is why I want to know what you like about their Jesus, because if you take this guy as Jesus and he happens to have the wrong character perfections and attributes, okay, because that mm-hmm. factors into Joseph Smith's comments of, uh, or let, me, let me start that over. That was what Joseph Smith explained in Lecture 3 of Lectures on Faith was required for salvation, was a correct understanding of God's character, perfections, and attributes. Mm -hmm. If you've missed the boat on that, you can miss, you can end up worshiping, worship meaning focusing on, you can can end up giving your energy to the the machine world in the Matrix, or the the fire world, the the, the cave world of Plato's cave. You can go... You can miss the boat entirely on salvation, and it's the the whole thing. The whole thing starts with a correct belief, a belief that is in the unseen world that is true. So, anyway, what do you, what did you like about Jesus? Well, historically, Jesus must have been a charismatic person. You don't amass a following without charisma. You, you don't <clears throat> you don't amass a following by walking around. Uh, What's what's the word? Somberly, dourly, like uh, just just kind of acting all right, prim and proper, and then sitting down on a rock and saying, "The spirit bloweth where it listeth, and thou right. seest the leaves on the tree." There's a funny blooper. There's some outtakes at the end, and there's, <clears throat> I think it's John the Baptist. He's delivering a line, and he keeps saying he adds eth to it and, and they not, keep saying no 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 it's just we're not doing the eths the and the thuts and he's like okay right right and then shows him again i keep doing he just keeps doing it it's he pretty funny because he just remembers the scripture that way <laughs> yeah and it's just kind of funny but yeah so jesus like joseph smith must have been incredibly charismatic real charisma not like a politician or a, or a grifter but charisma that people are attracted to Right, and we see him in the first in the at the end of the first uh, episode, and I did like the, I did like the way they presented him. Like he's like, "Hey, hey there, yeah." And they they give him a personality with humor, and yeah. you know he makes jokes, a twinkle and, in his and, eye. Yeah, he winks at people, you know, kind of. And I I think again, whether it's how it really was or not, we can never know. But they give him they they make him into a person that has friends. And that cares about his family and his friends and his mom and uh, who meets people. And they, I, I, think that, I think if you were going to portray a charismatic religious figure who led 
you know, not through coercion or intimidation or gaslighting, but through mm-hmm. persuasion and truth and example. Did you say intimidation, coercion, and gaslighting? Yeah. Okay. Which is how a lot of people lead okay, nowadays, so you right? Said, that's how you that's said he the leads po- by what by I don't persuasion know, what did I say? and example. I think were truth, truth. Yeah, I think they did okay. a great job of taking that sort of leader. Okay, cool. Because you know, well, and, and this is one of the reasons I think we get all lit up about <clears throat> like the Joseph Smith daguerreotype. That again, we're not saying that's for sure it, but when you get to see that picture that the Smith family believes is probably joseph it's mm-hmm. like hey yeah that 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 just the face there has some some really right. interesting attributes uh, char- there's some character there that right could easily be a very charismatic person and so <clears throat> yeah they they i think that the series portrays an approachable jesus figure he's not physically imposing he's you know, he's not. I think there are legends that uh, describe him as tall. I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking he's have not to go necessarily find like dim, dim, some sources dim, on that. You know, he's not a little guy or anything, but he's not some like broad shouldered, like, and, you know, walking around somberly, seriously, just. Yeah. But doesn't this series depict him as a little taller than the rest of the guys? It might. It might. It's. Maybe he's just it, taller if than they Mary. do. It's not. They don't make a big deal out of it. But, they, you know, they show him. Uh, doing his, you know, craftsmanship, doing some carpentry work. And mm-hmm. he, he kind of, he shows him kind of sleeping in a tent as a nomad, like solo, you know, before he started recruiting his followers and mm-hmm. interacting with kids. And mm-hmm. that's his backstory. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of know his childhood, his birth backstory. And we know well, yeah, that we there know a little a, bit more about Jesus than they, they do, you know, give a little hat tip to the episode at the temple. And by the way, we did a little nativity episode late last year. If if you're interested in some alternative, right, discussion on that, which was interesting. So, anyway, I, I think it's that. I think it's worth your time. The series. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I and, okay. And, and, I'll watch and, it. If you if you think I should watch and, it, I'll watch the it. The bottom line for me was. This is this is helping my understanding or my relationship or my kind of picture in my mind of Jesus and the disciples and that world and that record of the New Testament. It's not how many how many like historical fiction novels have been written about the disciples and Christ and everything. Are there are there any of note? I'm sure there have been plenty. I don't know. Have there been any of note that uh, if there are, they're probably weird. Like, because it's a, again, this is a, a narrative that often gets weird. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know of any off the top of my head. Yeah, I'm not thinking of any. Like, the chosen here seems to be the only real foray into what you're talking about—a a historical fiction backstory for right, the for right. the actual characters of the Bible. I mean, you have stuff like Ben Hur, which is not about anybody we really know in the Bible, or the Ten Commandments. Which is not about anything at all. Well, <laughs> again, that was made a long time ago, and I. It, you know what? A, my it's favorite a great piece of filmmaking. You know, <laughs> since since we're going to talk about that, yeah, uh, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Ten Commandments is great, but although it, it tracks with the Deuteronomistic Exodus narrative, sure, 
Okay. And, and if we spent a lot of time talking about that, I think there are real problems with the Old Testament. Have I, have I not said that here on the podcast at least once? Uh, probably. Probably have. at least once. <laughs> Margaret Barker, a Protestant scholar, her book, The Older Testament and the Lost Prophet, Enoch the Lost Prophet, mm-hmm. are really good starts on that. Same with Hugh Nibley, his book, uh, Enoch the Prophet. The The Book of Mormon doesn't have a lot of good things to say about the Old Testament, the mm-hmm. Bible in general. Right. And so I think that we're, we're, we're getting a, a revisionist history record from the people who were destroyed by the Babylonians— and, uh, you know, they wrecked the religion enough that Lehi had to leave Jerusalem in 600 BC, according to the Mormon account. Right. So, so I think it's problematic. But, but again, as, uh, as cinema, the Ten Commandments is pretty awesome. Well, it's spe- really good. Especially for its time. Yeah. You look at it now and it's like, it's, I mean, it's like seven hours long. It's, is it seven hours? I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's so only long like three or four, right? It's funny. Like everything Moses says is like a postcard or something. Yeah. You know, it's like everything is some profound couplet or whatever. Like it's, but it's great. Like it's, it's a classic of, yeah. you know, film, filmmaking. Y- you know what I really like as far as, uh, scriptural, scripturally related, uh, movies, the Prince of Egypt, the animated mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see that? Yeah. That is excellent. In my opinion, the music <laughs> the storyline and it tracks with the Exodus story. But if you take the Exodus story as an allegory, this, this one is an amazing depiction because you have Moses in Egypt and he finds out about it's again, you're a wizard, Harry say it. (laughs) You're a wizard, Harry. There you go. You got it. (laughs) Uh, That's your line, not mine. He finds it's Hagrid. Yeah. He finds out, (laughs) but on the show you get to say that one. But he finds out that he's not who he thinks he is. And then they have this really awesome montage with some music and song. It's Val Kilmer that does the voice here. He does the voice of Moses, and he also does the voice of God, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting also. So he he finds out, and then he he says, I am a sovereign prince of Egypt, a son of our proud history that's shown etched on every wall. Surely this is all I ever wanted. Here among my trappings and belongings, I belong. And if anybody doubts it, they couldn't be more wrong. He's like trying to convince himself that he right. is an Egyptian, that he shouldn't, he shouldn't be um, troubled by this resonance that just running into his sister and brother and, 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 and all the events of the day that were clem- you know, right. climatic uh, caused him to start thinking about who he really was. And he's like, you know, no, surely this is where I belong. This is my home, you know? And then he, he goes, to, goes through this montage and then he uh, goes and he learns the true history, okay? This always happens. He, he learns about the slaughter of the innocents by uh, reading it off of the temple walls. And then he has this encounter with his adopted father and it doesn't go well and he leaves Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then he, he ends up, do you remember this? Mm-hmm. He ends up in Jethro's camp and is taken in open arms. And, but that's not, that's not the main thing. There's this, again, another musical montage where he sings this song called heaven's eyes. Look at your life through heaven's eyes. 
and he and he tries to show Moses of all the good he has in him and then all of the potential that he has and then of course it shows him getting married to Jethro's daughter and it's a, it's just great and they're doing the circle dance around the fire okay this is very ancient <laughs> stuff the, and they're they're dancing and they're they're at the foot of the mountain and it's just epic it's ep, it's it's epic in every way right uh, similar to the Ten Commandments but as an allegory and the way that the, the highlights that they hit and then the encounter with God uh, metaphorically or symbolically there of course I think that the encounter with God was uh, f- you know perhaps I think Moses's encounter with God would have matched his at least one of his encounters with God. I think he, I'm sure he had many encounters with God. I, I believe that if you read the first chapter of the book of Nephi, you'll have a little taste of what Moses's encounter with God was like. First chapter, look at what Lehi went through. That's what I think. I think that Moses probably had the same experience, but it's described as a burning bush in the Exodus account, mm-hmm. right? And so Lehi sees the burning bush as a tree with a, of exceedingly great whiteness, whose fruit was highly desirable. Okay, there's a burning bush for you. All right. So anyway, I, I, I like this animated Prince of Egypt. We just have to get out of our shell and, and think allegorically, think symbolically, and realize, you know, the world has been pulled over our eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> to borrow, to borrow <clears throat> Morpheus's comments <clears throat> well i think you should keep watching i think you you might be a little frustrated with some of the oh sure some of the uh you don't want to get inside my head it's all <laughs> frustration well, well i got we got pretty well inside with the last you know your solo episode what did you think of all of that well those were give me some good i, I liked feedback. it a lot i think those are ideas that you've kind of peppered throughout a lot of our episodes it was good to have them all in one in one spot. Right. Rather, hopefully I remove some ambiguity. Mm. Hopefully I could at least show you what I'm but thinking. I, I think just as sort of as a summary, I think that thinking in those terms of cosmology and all of the bigger, the bigger, the bigger picture. Eternal this, progression. Yeah, is this the idea that Joseph Smith would have used. Eternal progression. Which we used to talk a lot more about, and you pointed that out. We, as in our, our, our culture, church tradition, our cultural tradition, even... Even outside of LDS circles, that idea used to be, I think, talked about more. That you know, you look at the great, the great myths and narratives and allegories are always about, or often about, regular people communing with the gods. No, the Disney, all the Disney animation stuff, <laughs> sending to the realm of the gods. Yeah, even the Disney Corporation was into this up to what fifteen years ago. Yeah, but that's before they got into pedophilia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Or maybe not. Well, maybe they've always been into that. Well, they, 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 I guess the thing is they took the good stories, right? They stole Sleeping Beauty. They stole Cinderella. These are, these are age-old yeah, they took nursery, all these, ta- nursery tales. They took all these open, you know, source, public domain things, and, and then, as you said, yeah. they stole them yeah. and changed them. Yeah. Excellently in a lot of cases. In some cases, yeah. And then they copyrighted them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so no one can ever touch him again. And then they'll sell him to you over and over by putting them in the vault and then letting them out once in a while. Right, right. <laughs> Stop buying Disney vault releases. You already have the Lion King. You don't need the Lion King special edition. Everybody needs the Lion King. Right, but you don't need four copies right. of it. 
and everybody needs to read Hamlet. And <clears throat> yeah, the we talked about the Lion King, right? I forget what we've talked about. We've been going for almost two years now, right? I know. I was thinking about that recently, and I thought, time for a break. That's a lot of words. I'm tired of this. What have I ever said? <laughs> yeah, we we take no responsibility for anything we've said prior to this point. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did? I did recently. I went back and I listened to our very first episode. Oh, was it any good? Yeah, I think it holds up. Okay. What were we talking about? Coronavirus? Well, it was kind of funny. We're like, what's going on today? And we're like, well, back in the 1600s. <laughs> and it sort of set the, sto- the stage for the rest of our, our, our methodology. Okay. No, I thought it was good. We kind of went over the whole like origin of the Fed and the, the Jekyll, Creature of Jekyll Island. Oh, uh, G. Edward Griffin's book. We talked about the the banking cabal and and how the the central banking sort of rose through Europe with the, uh, oh man, what family was that? The Rothschilds. Right. So anyway, I think it, and then, and, you know, then we get into sort of current events and kind of where we're at and. Yeah. It was fun. I just thought, I wonder what we talked well, about. Well, that's good. You know, uh, to borrow a phrase from a guy named John Titus. His YouTube channel is called Best Evidence, by the way. Really like that. I've mentioned it before. Anyway, to borrow his phrase, it sounds like we were on target. The pandemic was a monetary event. Yeah. We were right there with him. Well, and in, in last week, last week we talked about a, a bit about a kind of a great awakening and a revival. I think the chosen is part of, of that movement and helping people discover Jesus. And I think ultimately that's the only thing that's going to fix our issues is more people realizing who they are and who they need to turn to. Yeah, th- this is interesting. One of the, f- one of the, uh... oh shoot, you just changed. Anyway, one of the quotes that they have here on their website is that this success is, the success of the series is a powerful reminder to Hollywood that faith-based entertainment and then it just switched now, so I'm going to have to wait for the quote. Anyway, the idea is faith-based entertainment sells, that people, people, people are want thirsting I mean, it's for. got 100% on, on Ron faith, Faith-focused projects can sometimes become breakthrough hits, is what they said. John Jurgensen said that, whoever that is. <clears throat> well, and, and it's true. It is a, it's, you've, you've probably heard of it before I mentioned it, and I've been hearing about it, and I've seen little clips here and there, and I finally just sat down and as they say on some of their merchandise, <laughs> binged Jesus, which I think is a little <laughs> bit whatever, but... Uh, no, that's uh, okay. That's okay. No, it's fine. It's just... Uh, uh, I mean, if, if we were to talk about Jesus this whole episode, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, we kind of have so far, and we're almost an hour in. Hmm. So if, you, if, you, if you're a listener out there, you've not seen The Chosen... Go watch it, and if you have seen it, chime in on the comments. Let us know what you think about the series. Uh, what could be better? What could be, you know, what could be improved on? What you like? Well, to borrow, I mean, a, again, I have no vested interest in this. To borrow, I, I didn't, to I'm borrow not a, a Kickstarter. No, I think you do have a vested interest in. Well, in I just, Jesus. I like. No, I do. But in the series, I, I just, oh, right, right, I'm right, just right. a fan. I liked it. Right. I, I don't have any money invested well, in support, it or anything like that. Yeah, and I support discussion, good discussion, <clears throat> open discussion, and and stuff like this. I think it's, I think it's good to look at and to discuss. One talk of the, about one of the things that was pointed out to me was that for season 
two and maybe going forward, I think he ha- he wants to do several seasons, but he started getting input from different religious scholars. And I thought... I just gave him some input. And I thought, well, hmm. I, I didn't love that idea because he did a pretty good job in season one. The problem with bringing in a bunch of different voices is then... Now it's committee-based? It's, yeah, you're going to get this committee-based stuff. You're going to... You know, you're going to make somebody mad because you're going to go with someone's input over someone else's. I just thought, you know what? Just stay the course. Just take the story where you want to take it. Yeah, stay the course. You've, you've established these men and their personalities. You've, established, you've got the good character foundations. Now just go with what's in the text. Well, and I think that he'll be successful doing that because, as we've been pointing out, to borrow Isaiah's words, there is a famine in the land. Right. And yet the desert will blossom like the rose or blossom like the crocus. It's Well, that just meant the City Creek Mall. The drought. <laughs> There's a drought. We're experiencing a drought. Yeah, but can, we have a City Creek Mall. I know. That's a rose in the desert. The point is, you can look at this figuratively or literally, <laughs> <laughs> you, but, but people are thirsting, starving for this type of material. And this, right. this proves it, right? And they, and they made a, a great attempt and... It's resonant in a lot of ways. It is. People are hungry. They're hungry for, for truth. And I think that there's the truth of the gospel of Jesus comes through in this series. Even through the, the liberties they take, the historical, you know, whatever. It, the truth of the story of Jesus comes through. And I think that they've done a good job of that. So how far are they in the narrative? Like at what point are you at... Well, somewhat spoilery here. Well, I've read the New Testament. <laughs> you, yeah. Once. Well, <laughs> that was like when Titanic came out, the movie. I was like, spoiler, <laughs> the, the boat sinks. <laughs> um, season two ends with uh, Jesus prepping for the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. So that's and, where and, and that's a really... Uh, look, we're just going full spoiler mode, I think, for here. Just because it's one more thing I thought was cool. Does the loaves and the fishes get... We haven't gotten there yet. Does everybody get fed? We didn't get there yet. It literally ends with him coming from backstage, so to speak, to deliver the sermon. But the prep is pretty cool, because you think about it, again, the Sermon on the Mount is so often portrayed as... Jesus just sitting there saying quietly, Blessed are the meek, and they shall inherit the earth. I don't think that's what his delivery was like. We haven't seen it depicted yet in the show, but mm-hmm. he, they do depict him preparing for it, writing it, rewriting it, working closely with Matthew. Matthew's giving his input and making suggestions. and The way they, they portray Matthew, very literal, and so he's having trouble understanding parables. Parables, and he's like, "Why do you say salt of the earth? What does that mean? What do you mean?" And so it's. Um, but oh, so they're but, trying to get you into the mind of these guys. Oh yeah, they, and how he was teaching. Yeah, it's by it's, talking through him preparing the talk. And and there's yeah there's rewrites and he reorders things and um, that probably happened. Hmm. There's a, there's a great scene where he's getting ready to go out there and deliver it, and Mary, Jesus' mother, 
says something like, I'm sure what you've prepared is great. And he says, oh, well, it is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's just personality there. It's like, this was a man. He was a man. And he, uh-huh. had, he had personality. He had, you know, it shows him with showing affection to his friends and his, his mom. And, you know, he has a little pet name for his mom, like, Ima or something, which I think was a common term because of the other characters uh-huh. use it. But mommy. Anyway, so that's where that's where the series so far stands. As he he's walking out, and they have like a little curtain set up, and you have the masses showing up, right? And there's you, you have the disciples struggling with you know crowd management and security, and and kind of how are we going to handle this? We're already getting a lot of bad press, so to speak, right? People are noticing us now, and. Right. And there's this dynamic of of Jesus kind of debating within himself and kind of talking to people like, is it now the time to sort of go public, right? So anyway. Do they how do they play up the revelatory side of it? Do they have him interacting with his father? They in de- any way? they show him praying and he says things like, I, I need to be alone and talk to my father. There's no vision of he he, God. Ra- he rarely says look i'm tell i'm doing what god told me to do he does that he, he does says say that. that okay he, he he talks about his father i mean that factors prominently into a lot of the passages yeah. especially in john right. I'm, it, look i'm just doing what my father did or what my father tells yeah. me and he, he they 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 have that in there a lot that sort of i was sent from mm-hmm. from his presence to tell you this yeah that comes through yeah cool I, th- I think they did a really good job. How does so this far. how does this fit in your mind next to something like Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ? Have you seen that? Yeah, I saw it a while ago. I I think it was I liked it. I mean, I don't know if that's some like the Passion. I I liked it as a piece of filmmaking. I thought it was overtly bloody, bloody, and a little gruesome. Now, like all of his movies are, <laughs> but I think it was. Again, I think people are hungry for Jesus for that story, and because it did really well, it kind of got him on the you know ostracized in Hollywood. Well, yeah, what what do you think of Jim Caviezel as Jesus? I think he did, he was fine. I mean, he didn't have to say much. And if I remember that, he was more of a contemplative, somber, yeah, stoic, and and there were times i think there were times when, when christ was that right when he you know there's times where he stood before authority figures and just didn't say anything but i think for the most part he was he was charismatic and liked to de- debate i don't mean argue and but i mean debate and converse and Welcome, talk with welcomed people. conversation with people and we get that we get hints of that with the nicodemus story and and the young rich man and the way he talked with the apostles or the disciples. And so I think... Um, Almost so, thou convincest me to watch The Chosen. <laughs> well, you should watch it. I think it's good, wholesome entertainment. It's a, I think, you know, my, my family has watched it and they kept saying, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. So I finally watched it and I'm glad I did. It's good. Cool. Well, uh, give me some more feedback on the uh, on any of this relative to our discussion on cosmology. Did you did you uh, have any as you listened to the the four hour monologue or whatever? Were there any points of uh, contention, rebuttal, 
uh, epiphany. Uh, I mean, what, what did you think no, in general I, there? How does this fit into the whole story? Because I think this, this discussion on cosmology very clearly in my mind fits in to the, the Jesus story. You, ha- you yeah. have the Lord coming down, the one who had, was given dominion from the Father, who gave it to Adam, came down to do two very important tasks. One was to reconnect this world and at one and we usually look at that word differently, and then number two, to uh, take back his life, take, take back power over death, to defeat the evil one. Yeah, I mean, the whole cosmology kind of hinges on Jesus's mortal life and what he did here. Like, yeah, and... and, like, and but I think the narrative matters into that well, to yeah, that story. It sheds absolutely. light on why because well, we're what he was our doing. our lives are sort of shadows of his. In that we come down here, we go through hard times. We're mortal. We, the, you know, there's obviously differences. We're cut off from the right. Father. Right. There we go, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he came right to reconnect us and to show us how to ascend back to the Father. Right. And so that's our that's the whole. That's the whole point, right? To ascend back to the Father. And all of our great co- stories depicts some version of that. Uh-huh. And so the, the, I, I wish, it, it got me thinking, you know, listening to your, your solo episode, I, it got me thinking, I wish we addressed this head on more often in all of our conversations. Because it's, it's, um, <laughs> it's why we're, it's why we're here. It's why we're here, and it also offers a lot of understanding, you know, for all the other garbage that happens to us in, in our lives. It's like, well, okay, you're the hero in your own cosmological struggle, journey, yeah. and struggle. So you're going to have problems, but you also have all of this stuff to help you overcome them. You know, in video game terms, you've got pretty good gear. You've got a nice sword and nice armor and magical spells. Well, I you like, just need to learn to use them. You've got to level up. Yeah, I like the video game men, uh, uh, metaphor here for the <coughs> the journey that we're on or the struggle that we're in or the loyalty test that we're placed in because your your former self is sort of like the potential that your video game character has. Right. You You, you start out that game and you don't expect to just be the the introductory... Uh, low hit point, low stamina, not not very well equipped character. I'm not sure if I'm describing it in the right terms. I haven't played in a long time. No, it works. That's that's generally how it works. Is your character or your avatar or your 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 guy, free guy? Yeah, your guy. He uh, he's he starts at level zero and he's got to use ex- his study and experience. See, we don't we don't think about the study part of it in the video game or in life because. We don't look at our lives as study, but we all study. We all have to work things out and learn, whether it's the school of hard knocks or through uh, what what appears to be <coughs> academic, like the study of good books or bad books in a lot of cases, watching good movies or bad movies, whatever. We All of that is study, and then, then we, we add to that our experience, and then your character's supposed to level up. It's funny, in, in Free Guy, he meets the, the girl character. I can't remember her name now. Uh, Ellie? Mm, good question. I'll find out. Keep talking. Uh, anyway, he meets her in the, and, and you know, the, he meets her avatar, right? 
and she has all the guns and the armor and everything. And she says, <clears throat> talk to me when you've got some more experience. Now, Millie. She, Millie. She's saying it in the video game sense. Like, go level up. Go play the game a little bit, and then we'll reconnect mm-hmm. when you're not a noob and you have stuff to do the content that I'm doing. What she doesn't realize, or, you know, the, the mo- obviously there, <laughs> there's two meanings to that. Yeah, you go, because in video games, you literally have a bar called your XP bar, certain types of video games. And when you do stuff, that bar slowly fills up and then you fill it up and you level and then the bar goes back to empty and then you do it again. Or the bar can get, the potential gets bigger, right? Right. You get a bigger bar. Well, sometimes. Yeah, depending on the game. But when you level up, then you have more intellect, more strength, more stuff. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you get points to spend into abilities. These concepts are kind of universal, but they they vary the 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 technical (laughs) terms and, and the technical way it's played out varies from game to game. Right, but but that in that for sense, our baby boomer he's listeners, <laughs> and so free guy goes out into the world and gets experience in the video game sense, but also he is learning. His AI in that uh-huh. in that case, in the free guy's case, is is evolving, and he's learning more about himself and the world he's in, and he starts doing things that aren't supposed to be happening within the rule set right instead of shooting people and taking their shoes uh-huh. he's helping people or he's stopping robberies or he's mm-hmm. uh you know buying shoes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that help him out instead of robbing yeah you know and stealing them have go ahead well and so the the idea of experience in our lives in the real world or this simulation <laughs> that we call the real world is is really no different. You have the only way to get experience is to go out there and experience. Do stuff. And sometimes you're going to fall on your face. Sometimes there's going to be bad things that happen. Right. But I'm reminded idea, of Thor talking to Loki in Avengers Endgame where he says you're going to want somebody to go down to earth there that has experience and Thor says, "Well, if you mean failure is experience, <laughs> I mean experience is experience." Right. <laughs> If by experience you mean failure. Everything is experience, right? Whether it's fail or it's success. I mean, you go out there and you learn something. You learn. And so the next time around, you just go out and make different mistakes. (laughs) Right. That's right. It's like, well, I won't make that mistake again, but I'll probably make a different one. Well, so so I kind of want to merge Tron into the free guy discussion here as relates to cosmology. Tron is excellent. You remember the movie Tron from the 80s? Brief, yeah, vaguely. I mean, it's been a long time. Okay, go watch Tron <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I'm going to watch The Chosen. Okay. That's, gonna, that's a bigger what commitment did, here. Was there a remake of Tron? Read Harry Potter first and then watch Tron. There was a remake of Tron. I don't think I saw the remake. That, uh, they both have Jeff Bridges in them. The original Tron is Walt Disney, and it is definitely our story of cosmology morphed into a video game computer world. Mm -hmm. But what I love about this, and I want to merge it into free guy and I always bring this up because the problem is that free guy is stuck. He can't become like his creators, but in, in the movie Tron, the Jeff Bridges character gets pulled into the computer. That's where this becomes so real is you've got, you've got a, a higher being um, 
in uh oh man what's the guy's name in the movie uh, there's tons of people screaming out right now the names because we, re- we remember tron <laughs> that's the name of the program <clears throat> i remember there was an awesome tron video game back in the arcade days that was like a motorcycle and you'd sat on it and then yeah you, the light cycles you zip through the the computer world all the grids flynn and- kevin flynn is who jeff bridges plays okay keep going well i just remembered always wanting to play that video game but uh, the older kids were always hogging it. Did you go to arcades when you were a kid? Yeah, I didn't have a lot of quarters to spend. Yeah, so me I, neither. I would save them up and we would go to... We wouldn't really go to the arcade very often. The arcade was a very unusual uh, experience. And that was like, I've got $5 in quarters. Oh, they're all gone. Yeah, I'm they're, not good at any of these games. Oh. Yeah, and it, it, oftentimes the arcade was like in the mall and so i would usually try to go in there and just wander around for a bit i I very rarely got to play the games but as i got older and had a little of my own quarters me and a buddy would ride our bikes to a 7-eleven that had a street fighter 2 machine and we would use a couple of the quarters on a slurpee and the rest we would play street fighter against each other our our local gas station had uh spy hunter remember Mm -hmm. that yeah where you're the little car that uh, gets out, of, comes out of a trailer, yeah. and then you have you just, sabotage just left, right. the guys chasing you. Yeah, you, you can do the you oil slick. Avoid you the can, avoid the tax and the oil slick. Yeah, your, and the quarter, bombs. your quarter will generally last about what thirty seconds. And you're, oh crap! <laughs> right. Another quarter. Right. Uh, it's terrible. But uh, but Tron Tron is important because Kevin Flynn is the creator. He and and this goes back to the old cosmology. He has something to do with the creation, right? Mm-hmm. Those who came here, uh, at least those that were sent down, had something to do with the creation. And in fact, one of the points that I made in the podcast was that the devil had something to do with the creation, right? And uh, they then interact with the creation, but only as a shadow as, of their former self. And in the case of Tron, he had to have the Alan Bradley character, the the security program that he had created, which was called Tron. I believe that's the name of the the character. Do you remember? We got to watch this show. He, it's he been was, a long, long time. Since he I was the that. one that. Uh, he's the one that helps. Kevin Flynn get out. He has to escape. He has to return to the source. He has to return to the connection point, a nexus point, a temple, and put his disc into the into the uh, into the source point to reclaim the creation and to get out. It's it's really okay. Now that you've watched, now you've listened to the cosmology episode, and think about Joseph Smith's eternal progression. Go watch Tron, and replace the words user with you know son of god or something like that uh kevin flynn is a user he's not supposed to be in the program he's he's somebody higher than the the uh, regular npcs when i was listening to your 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 uh solo i kept thinking of the words of joseph smith where he says the things of god are of deep import and time and experience and careful and ponderous and solemn thoughts can only find them out. Thy mind, O oh man, must stretch as high as the utmost heavens. 
and search into and contemplate the lowest consideration of the darkest abyss and expand upon the broad considerations of eternal expanse. He must commune with God. How much more dignified and noble are the thoughts of God than the vain imaginations of the human heart? None but fools will trifle with the souls of men. Thy mind, O man, must stretch. Are our minds Amen. being are our minds being stretched? Yeah. Well, but we don't want to we don't want to contemplate that it's the mysteries, right? What we've been sort of predisposed against the mysteries. <laughs> Have you ever been in a setting in a you know a church setting where it was like, well, we don't talk about that. That's those are the mysteries. We yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe not that blatant, but yeah. I mean, conversations are often steered to match the talking points in the manual or the... But you've never been like right out chastised, like, hey, look, we don't get into that. And that's save that for the temple or... I've, I've been told to save it for the temple and then <laughs> yeah, I was in the celestial you, room with my mother to speaking in the <laughs> celestial room in whispered tones and then some lady came and hovered over us and said, be quiet, you need to move on. You know, we're going to maintain the quiet reverence that prevails in the temple. Right. Yeah, I have had that happen. I've been shushed. shushed. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we all have. I wasn't uh, talking very loudly, but... Well, well, where can you talk <laughs> about this stuff? Well, apparently you can talk about it on the Mind Virus podcast. <laughs> well, th- thy mind, oh man, must stretch. What does that mean? It doesn't, it doesn't mean sit idly and be content with, you know, twice yearly talks. Sure. My contention, though, about faith, faith being an, uh, a hope for the actual reality meaning you need to know something about the actual reality in order to have faith, then that simultaneously can be the means of finding those things out. That means we, we must be taught. And this is, oh man, Nibley, Nibley was so excellent. You've got you've to gotta spend some time on the essay, Treasures in the Heavens. He talks about Adam being introduced to this material, because of course Adam had forgotten everything, in the form of the sent ones. Right. And that was Nibley's term. He wanted to use the term sent ones because everything else has been overused. The word apostle, which apostolos does mean sent one sent forth. Angelos means messenger, angel. So we have these two, these two terms that get thrown around and we, we don't want to say angel or, or apostle because that carries all this connotation. And so Nibley's in the... 80s, 70s or 80s, I think it was in the 70s when he wrote Treasures in the Heavens, he says, he says let's call them sent ones. <laughs> and they come to our hero, Adam. So here's, here, think of it in Star Wars. Luke, you need to come with me to free Princess Leia. <laughs> you know, you, you, have high, you have better things ahead of you than this life here right. in this desert. <clears throat> You're going to be a Jedi Knight. Let's let's step it up here. And Luke's like, ah, if I don't get these, uh, they'll be hell to pay if I don't get these condensers down to the, or these droids <laughs> down to so-and-so. Right. What's his whiny voice? You, can, you do the voices. Anyway, <laughs> you get what I'm saying, right? It's right. Like, it's like Adam is introduced to the message by the sent ones. He had forgotten everything. So even the great Adam, the great patriarch, the great first father, the one given the birthright, the one given dominion over the whole world, he had to be introduced to this by those sent from God. Why? Because the world had been cut off. Yeah, it had fallen. Dun, dun, 
literally falling. <laughs> Flynn, he had to return to the source because he had been cut off from his prior self, his prior existence. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the stories we've talked about have that aspect, right? Truman Show, he was he was cut off from the from his true self, living yeah. in a literally, you know, a bubble, a fake world where everything was counterfeit. Harry Potter, he spends all of his time trying to figure out his history. Yeah, who are my who parents? Who are my parents? <laughs> what tell me more about my parents? I see them in the mirror here. <clears throat> I'm just going to sit here and look at them. You know? Yeah. Well, isn't that a, our kind of point? Is figure out our parentage. There's a there's a a kids or a juvenile uh, fantasy set that I really liked when I was a kid called The Chronicles of Pride Ain. Have you ever heard of that one, Lloyd Alexander? Yeah, I actually just read those somewhat recently. Oh, you recently read those again? That, I reread them because I read them when favorite. I was a kid. That's actually my favorite one. Yeah, it's it's good. easy to read. But what's what's the deal with Taran? Do you call him Taran or Taran or what? How do you pronounce him? I think I him? said Taran. Taran. I don't know. Taran. Uh, he doesn't know who he is. Right. He doesn't know anything about his parentage. I always just and like it haunts him the whole way through. I always like the pouch with infinite jerky. I wanted yeah, Gergi. Did you see, yeah. how do you pronounce Gergi? Gergi. I always wanted a pouch with infinite jerky. <laughs> Crunchings and munchings. Yes. You know, faithful Gurgi. Oh, shootings and cruel, 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 poor Gurgi. Crunchings of warriors. And yeah, I, I love that. It's that, a great series. Uh, series, yeah. Yeah, and it's got all the aspects of, you know, the hero's journey. And I think when I was a kid, I liked it partially because it was easy to read. And other people, my brother was reading Lord of the, or the Hobbit or something. It was just too high level of language. Mm-hmm. I connected with Lloyd Alexander's world there. And it, and it really hit me pretty hard. He, um, okay, that's another one we could go through. We could, yeah, we could spend a lot of time on that. He, uh, we, we would spoil it, but he has to have the feminine wisdom influence. She's associated with the moon. She's got the, She's got all the, the trappings of, of the princess. She has the bauble of light. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the mentors. He's got multiple mentors. He's got call Gwydion. Uh, and uh, Dalbin, the Enchanter. Mm-hmm. So he, he meets people along the way that help him. He, the, there's the farmer family. There's uh, the three witches that kind of help him, but kind of not. A, yeah, very uh, Greek legend type of a. Yeah. Right, that's right yeah. out of, of both Greek and, well, yeah, definitely Greek. What they call it, the Fates, the three Fates. Yeah, they're, they're kind of the models of that and. They take different personas. Right. Yeah. Um, he's got, uh, at, at every point, he's encountering some embodiment of the evil one. First, right. first in the horned king. Yeah, then you, yeah you've got yeah. the ultimate evil that he's destined to defeat. Definitely Druidic or Celtic m- mythology undertones <clears throat> with uh, the, the cauldron uh, that creates these cauldron born. That's a little bit of an inversion of the, of the Celtic cauldron that was supposed to create life. And I think they, that Alexander does work that into the story that the cauldron was once good, but it was perverted by Aron, I think is how you say the name of the bad guy. <clears throat> yeah. He, he stole it. I'm trying to remember now, but he stole it from the, the three ladies, didn't he? I or think they were so. the they stewards were, over it. They were the, and that that's that's how it goes in the in the Celtic mythology or the Druidic Celtic mythology is that there's these women 
heavenly women that preside over the cauldron. But I think, uh, something that we 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 keep coming back to this, but we, there's all these great tales, right? The movies and books and myths and all these stuff, all these things that we we read, we watch on the big screen, and we we love and we relate to, and then we go home and. We're like, well, back to my back to church on Sunday. Back to my dreary, you know, life counting, <laughs> you know, counting beans or whatever you do. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt but not covet. Thou shalt not entertain interesting narratives. The thing we've got to realize is that that those are stories of us. Those stories originate from the human experience. They're not just humans who were creative and bored who decided, well, wouldn't it be cool if? No, there are allegories and extrapolations of our own ex- experience. And as soon as you realize that you're Taryn, you're Truman, you're Harry Potter, you're a wizard, Harry, your well, life is going to change and I, you, can, you start to live differently. Yeah. It doesn't mean that overnight you're not going to be a bean counter and instead you're going to walk around with a sword or a magic <laughs> wand. But what it does mean is that you're destined for something much bigger than just hauling the converters back to Aunt Veru's and yeah. Uncle, what's his uncle's name? Oh, and Uncle Owen. Oh, Uncle Owen, and then, you know, wash it all down with blue milk, <laughs> <laughs> which you can get now at the Disney Star Wars lands for it, like $8 an ounce or uh, you know, one, one other thing we should add to the Hero's Journey conversation that we haven't spent a lot of time on is that these allegories are also stories of the Christ, of, right. of Jesus himself. So that, that's a little bit tricky because you want to say, oh, this is Adam, or this is Luke Skywalker. The, the basic level is that's that guy and not me. But then the, the first step up is, hey, this is, this is me as the hero. But then the, the next level is... Christ went through the same type of process, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily just in this world. He, this is what we learned from King Follett, is that he walked the same path, just as his father did, that they have to level up, gain the experience, gain the hit points, gain the stamina, gain the right. uh, The, the heroes, the, the traditional Joseph Campbell hero's journey applies to the Jesus story. Yeah, it is the Jesus story, and he, he had the ultimate experience of it here in, in this invert world. Invert my last statement and say that the Jesus story is the story. Is 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 a the hero's journey is a is a derision of the Jesus story. Yeah, or a, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. Know it's derision. It's, the, it's a. It's just a. a, a it's a the simplification. Mono, the the reason he calls it a monomyth is because it's present in every known culture. Well, that's because the the monomyth, the myth, mm-hmm. is the Christ story, right? And this is one of those things I would want to work into the discussion of the New Testament: is that the Lord was restoring. A lot of people look at it as if He was coming here and setting down a New Testament church, a a new thing. Uh, right, but I have to stop you right there. We can't talk about the New Testament until January. Why? Is well, that when we move from Old Testament <laughs> to New Testament? Yeah, sorry. In our traditional. 
in our traditional modalities. All right, I'm just kidding. No, I'm no, being no it's li- probably. I'm, a, I'm being a okay. little bit. A oh, little well, bit. On that note, uh, thank you for wa- listening to Mind Virus Show. We'll be back in January. Oh boy. Uh, no, no, no. It's it's true. It's like we, we have a problem. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is a very deep problem. We are structurally incapable of uh, <laughs> doing certain enlivening things. But what what I was saying is that the Lord came to restore the religion of Adam. And John's gospel, I think, is fairly, well, I don't know if it's clear, but it points to this idea that he's talking about the older religion. That's why the Samaritans were, you know, the woman at the well, that whole story, that's why they were so receptive is because they had not, they had not had uh, as deep a perversion as the Jews had had. And that's why I think the Jews hated them. They kept up the older religions, the, the older um, traditions. traditions. And, you know, that's, that's another thing that relates to this misinterpretation of Mark, or sorry, it was Luke chapter 8, verse 2. We, we talked about exerchomai, and I gave you my, uh, a little bit of my thoughts on that. There's a word in there that they translate as demons, and that's daimonia. And in the Strong's Concordance, it calls this an evil spirit or a demon or a heathen deity. And this has to do with the struggle between polytheism and monotheism. And if you're Mormon, and I brought this up in the podcast, the solo podcast, if you're Mormon, you are polytheistic, or you should be. That's what Joseph Smith taught right at the very end of his life. And I explained how the Book of Mormon is not Trinitarian, how some of those titles given to Christ in there have to do with the Ptolemaic cosmos, how Christ is the very eternal father of this heaven and this earth. He claims ownership of it. That's why I would call him the father of heaven and earth, the very, yea, the very eternal father, the one in the heavens. And he gave his dominion to the first father, patriarch, Adam, first father. So there's another father. So we're going get to all, get, get all mixed up on Adam here? Yes, we are. That's where the Adam-God theory comes from. <laughs> and that's why uh, Brigham Young kind of got off track. Well, anyway, we're, we're, we're polytheistic, not monotheistic. And this happened in the early Orthodox Church. And the reason that the word daim daimonion or daimon is considered to be an evil spirit is because the the Judaizing Christians convinced the early ecumenical councils to believe in a monotheistic deity, a Trinitarian deity, one that's ethereal, amorphous, not knowable, you know, hard to know, mysterious, one that is trifling with us, one that's trifling with us. And uh, this orthodoxy caught on in the cities. And so therefore, they began to look down upon the country dwellers. Well, do you want to know what the term for country dweller is in Latin? Deplorable? (laughs) Pagan. Oh. Paganus. I was thinking something else. Yeah, you were thinking something else. Paganus is the word. And uh, so that's why pagans are associated with polytheism is because the people out in the countryside kept up the older traditions with the multiple gods, the the sociality of gods, the the rich stories about the gods. Think of the Greek myths here, or the Roman mythology. 
or Egyptian or whatever. These these traditions had multiple gods. They had a better narrative for the Titanomachy, for the cosmogony. They they named these people and they they talked about them. And so when Joseph Campbell does his comparative mythology, that's all he's doing. He's, he's saying, look, it's here and it's here and it's here and it's here. They just talked about it differently. And we get scared away from that often in Christianity because we're we're dead set on not talking about any of those gods. In fact, you've been taught, if you're Trinitarian, you've been taught that it's just one God, uh, no, no other personalities in the heavens. And that leads to this idea that we're just going to go back to this big oneness or sit on a cloud and play harps or something like that. No, you, this is the genius of of Joseph Smith and of course of Christ, because it is Christ's message and Adam and all the great prophets who give the message that you are co-eternal. You were Flynn before coming into the computer world. (laughs) You were someone before, and you're only a shadow of your former self, and you must level up. You must go through the, the trials. You must play the games. You must get to the source and reconnect, or else you go into oblivion and lose your identity. Yeah. Amen. So go. We'd like to turn the time over to the uh, <laughs> musical crew. What? How do they do that? It's like we'll now we'll now uh, we'll now have uh, hymn number five hundred and seventy four. <laughs> <laughs> Come, let us renew anew again. Do you remember? We might have brought this up. Do you remember when uh, we were singing in church, and someone had to stand up and tell us? Yeah, the stake president got up and said, this is terrible. It's like a funeral march. And then we restarted the song and it wasn't any different. (laughs) It was almost as bad. That's been a pet peeve of of my wife for a long time. How slow and plodding, kind of, you know, lackadaisical the church singing is, at least in our group, our board. You know, I think that you should have a lot of compassion for the pianist or the organist because I've played a little bit of piano and I've had to accompany and it's difficult if you're not an excellent pianist that can sight read and play the music it's very difficult to play it I mean think about it you're up in front of like what 600 people 300 people I don't know how many people are at church these days 140 140 people so you're up in front of 140 people and maybe 160 there are people that know you that care about you theoretically or, or like to 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 joke with you or whatever and and you're up there and you're trying to play the music and, and you're trying to hit all the notes generally the hymns aren't terribly difficult if you're a good pianist but if you're not there's four notes to keep track of every beat or sometimes they come yeah. in odd patterns and you, they're syncopated or there's uh eighth notes or whatever and which so, is probably we <laughs> why we only really sing about 10 percent of the hymn book that's probably part of it, but even that, for somebody that hasn't practiced them all it's hard. and is really good, it's, it's hard. So I think it depends on your pianist how fast you can go. Sometimes there'll be, a, an, dare I say, an old lady who wants to, who's going to fight with her pianist and try to slow her down. That happens. Or him down or whatever. And, and, and you'd think that the chorister would try to liven it up a little bit. But. Come, ye saints. No. <laughs> it is. I uh, agree. We I, agree. It, I agree. But I, I, you're right. There's some technical limitations there. But I well, also, maybe. It I depends. also think, 
I think we just have been so entrained to treat church as a somber, boring, dry experience. Like we can add some life into it. Well, you can't do things like bring in some energy guitars or other instruments. That's that used to be okay, but now it's not unless you have a really good string quartet in your ward. Yeah. Which some people have had. Some people have had. <laughs> and some people have moved from the ward or grown up and moved on. But yeah, it's if you have a harpist, they'll let you play it's that. It's hard to have good music in a in an LDS meeting for various reasons. Sometimes there's excellent performances. Oh yeah. Sometimes. The, the, <clears throat> but yeah, it is it's a difficult thing. And and we definitely because of the box we've created, we sort of limit our our possibilities to have exciting, right, charismatic moments. Well, charisma kind of brings us full circle, and uh, truth and happiness and light, I think, brings charisma and energy. And to bring it back to the chosen, I think that they did a great job of creating that with the with Christ especially but the disciples right and capturing different you know based on the text i think they did a really great job of creating these people you know you've got you've got uh, the sons of thunder you've got simon who hasn't yet been called peter you've got andrew and 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 then philip comes into it later and then right at the end of season 2 you meet judas which is pretty interesting i like hmm. the way they introduced him hmm. um and you've got Thomas, and then you've got other followers like Mary, and there's some other women in the camp. And, you know, they kind of go from place to place, living on the road. Um, so I, I think we, we undervalue charisma. I once asked, probably on Twitter, I don't think I got any responses, but I said, where are the real charismatic leaders in our society? Because there, there really aren't any. You think about the politicians right now. They're not. They're 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 not charismatic. They're they're mean and they're you know you know they're manipulative and they're and they they're privileged and entitled and they treat you like uh, deplorable. You're you're just you're a you're a you're a thorn in their side you stupid dumb people if you would just do what you're told if you'd just wear your mask if you just get the shots if you just believe us so there's no inflation or whatever you know and they just treat us like garbage there's not charisma true charisma will attract people you don't if you're a charismatic person you don't have to beg people to follow you or to listen to you or to take you seriously because they already do that because you have light and truth. You don't have to manipulate and trick people into, uh, or just use the coercion and the and the force of law and violence, the threats of violence, to get followers or influence over people. So I guess that I mean it always comes back to that, right? Good versus evil, light and truth versus darkness and lies, and real charisma versus the counterfeit. Yeah, char- charisma is uh, a very important thing. It, it means grace or favor from God, and um, outward beauty, um, glory, charis in Greek. 
it, it's essentially a gift of God, um, kindness, goodwill. The word Eucharist has, has the word charis in it. Uh, Thanksgiving in Greek would be eucharisteo. So God's good grace works well for us or for me or whatever. Favor, influence, charm. Anyway, this is uh, an important word because it is, in essence, the mark of someone who is sent from God. <laughs> right. Someone with a message, someone with some sort of light within <clears throat> them, someone, someone who has a connection, someone who is, who ought to be, who ought to have a p- attention paid to them because they might have something important to tell us. Right. And, and I think we're, <clears throat> as, you, as you indicated, we're lacking that, aren't we? We're lacking... It's not just that we're lacking it; is that we have a whole bunch of people that have like the invert attributes. People who have a false charisma, where they think that they're they're charismatic, or they think that they should be treated as if they have charisma because of they won an election, or they are a CEO, or they just outlived everybody else and became the person in charge. Well, you you brought up one time to me the essay Nibley did on leaders versus managers. Yeah, excellent. Are you describing excellent uh, essay. Are, isn't that kind of the dichotomy here? The juxtaposition here is. I think it's gone even worse than that. Like the manage, like the leaders are. They're out there, but institutional leaders are are basically ma- just gone, and they become managers. Well, maybe what you're saying is there are no leaders in the power structures. Yeah, and if the they leaders are, are they're... outside of the power structure, trying to tell you, like like we were talking about earlier, that you know you have fundamentally misunderstood the world, well, and if you uh, don't change your heart and mind and and adopt a better version of reality, you will be destroyed. That's what. <laughs> And then they get deplatformed uh, well, or thrown in jail or yeah, saddled with uh, right. lawsuits or think about kicked out of their Jesus was outside the power structure, and that was one of the things that the power structure really I think that's the point like about it. of that's, course that's it's one the of point. the main points that people don't want to see and the people that he called were outside the power structure. He called the fishermen and the hated tax collectors and you know the the people that we're not the trained priests. Yeah, and another way to think about it is he sent them down into those positions that were close to where he was going to be mm-hmm. and then awakened them from, and, and every single one of them had, a, had an opportunity to not heed the call to adventure, to use Campbell's terms, right. not hear the, hear the, not recognize the true, <clears throat> the great sent one, the great angel. There probably were people who did that. Who, who, it's possible. Who, who we don't, well, we, we yeah, don't, we don't know. know who turned well, I him think down. I do want to give a little plug for the young rich man. That yeah. Who, Jesus said, sell everything you have yeah. and follow me. We often use him as an example of, oh, see, you have to sacrifice your material goods and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Well, he might have. The story ends with him just going away feeling sad. Well, but, but, the, but the language in the New Testament has ends that with the disciples asking, well, Lord, haven't we followed you? And, and he says, everybody that's not willing to sell or to lose his mother, father, brother, like he talks about family and he mm-hmm. talks about relationships. He doesn't really talk so much about wealth because you literally have to sell the old you. You have to be willing to sacrifice everything about you and your natural man because, of right. course, the natural man is an enemy to God. And the religion of Christ 
to quote lecture six from Lectures on Faith, requires the sacrifice of all earthly things, right? which is what we are here. We have adopted the matrix. We've internalized, we become creatures of the matrix. But it tastes so good. <laughs> but anyway, the, the rich man, he, maybe he did go and sell all the, that he had. We don't know. He went away sad, but... Yeah, well, I might go away sad too if I realized I had to give up everything in order to do this. Right. And According to Solomon in Ecclesiastes, the acquisition of knowledge and wisdom is the beginning of sorrow. <laughs> right, because then you know better. Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, crap. It's like you can't unsee what you see. And mm-hmm. anyway, I, I, I think, I, again, all of this always applies to us individually. Liken the scriptures <clears throat> to yourself, that they may be for your profit and learning. But that just means put your name into other people's names, right? Only in the places where it's advantageous for you, like the whole, <laughs> in whom I am well pleased. <laughs> the only ones uh-huh. in whom I am well pleased. That's, uh, oh, that uh, must mean uh, us. Apologies for the sometimes cynicism or facetious nature of our personalities. <laughs> Yeah, well... I'm not going to apologize for that. (laughs) I'm taking the warnings as if they applied to me, Jordan Bruno, specifically, okay? That's how I'm taking it. Well, they all apply to you individually. Wake up or be destroyed, Jordan. Because individually, you are the hero in this story, your own story, and you will struggle, and you will need wise and helpful guides. You will need people that will will educate you and help you with boons and, and... armor and weapons and lights when there are no other lights and uh there'll be people trying to stop you and and to tear you down and to tear you apart and to mislead you and to send you down the wrong road and you will descend into the belly of the beast we all will and it's yeah swallowed uh, up by a whale uh, how, or something like that. and how do you deal with that how do you come out of that and do you come out of it a better person with knowledge that then you can impart to your village of pagans and weirdos and deplorables when you return home yeah yeah because that's part of the hero's journey is the return the return and that's then right. you impart your knowledge, and hopefully, maybe in doing so, you inspire some other young adventurer yeah, to heed the it's, call. It's you got to think of all of these things as if they are flexible, because you know, well, of course, Plato's is a little bit uh, alarming. He's like, you know, you go back into the cave, and they don't like what you have to say. <laughs> well, and that was the case in like, you know, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbits Returned. Oh, we don't. The, the village believe, yeah, wasn't. We're not really. It took in the books. You remember that Saruman, the had wizard, taken, yeah, had shows taken up, up camp, takes over the village, takes over the tobacco industry. He's using the hobbits basically as, as slave slaves, labor yeah. to sell the tobacco, which is the Shire tobacco is known throughout the land. And yeah, the hobbits have to come in and lead a rebellion, one last rebellion. Oh, you know, and against the rebel. Yeah, that's not in the movies. That's no, it's not. That's in the book. And no, so, it's not. I forgot he, about that. He dies a pretty gruesome death. Saruman does. Now, in the movies, they show him coming off the tower. Right. I think he gets impaled on a wagon with like Shire tobacco in the wagon yeah, or something. Right. There's that's a little right. hat so there's an tip, allusion but, to it, yeah. But in the, in the books, they, they like use like rocks and sticks and stuff, I think, if I remember right. They go after him. They, they just basically kind of mob him. Uh, sort of an Old Testament death. <laughs> right. 
or a New Testament death. I don't know. But the point is, I, I think... A life of Brian death. <laughs> yeah. He's, he said Jehovah. No, <laughs> no, not me. Not me. But you said Jehovah. Ah! <laughs> well, and it's the 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 women, the, the women, men playing the, women playing men, right? <laughs> oh, that's so it's funny. Great. Well, we probably should wrap this one up, but a little different conversation today. Not necessarily what we had planned, but that's the trick: is we didn't plan. We didn't plan this one. Anything? Well, no, I enjoyed the discussion. I. I yeah. Go watch The Chosen. I'd, I'd be curious to know what all of you guys think about it. Yeah, or if you've already watched it, you know, chime in at mindvirus.show. Tron. Tron's another great one. And if you haven't watched some of these movies we've done deeper dives on, like Free Guy, Truman Show, Groundhog Day. Yeah. We spent a little time with Field of Dreams. That was just serendipitous yeah, happening that, upon that one. That was um, a good one. Go listen. Go watch those movies. Listen to those episodes. Um, I'm going to put together a list. I put together a page of our, I'm not going to say canonical episodes. Some of the fun, we could put them into categories like our, like secret combinations and cosmology. Greatest hits. Greatest hits. I like that. The greatest hits. The must listens. <laughs> Essentials. That's what uh, Apple does. They'll create essentials albums like essential playlists for like the essential willie nelson you know i did i went back and looked at our spotify record and i was wrong last week or the week before when i mentioned that we only had one covid warning we have a fistful like yeah, maybe 10 some of the older ones yeah we've got a lot of covid warnings. pfizer pfizer <laughs> moderna pfizer did you see so a, a month or so ago the CEO of Pfizer announced oh, yeah, that he yeah. tested oh, yeah, I positive. Yeah, I he's like, oh, I've got four, four I've got four shots. I'm grateful for the protection. Well, he's come out again and said, I've, I've, he's got COVID. I've again. got COVID again. I'm grateful for Paxlovid. It's like you are shameless. I know you, you're, you're just shilling this product in your. <laughs> and he's got COVID again. It's like, okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. You're, you're telling me you got four doses of your incredible vaccine. And you use Paxlovid, which is probably just ivermectin, Pfizer-mectin. Mm-hmm. And you're still getting sick over and over? Like it's, mm. I, I think it's super fair to ask some questions. Well, a lot of people think maybe he's just trying to sell the bivalent vaccine. That is exactly what Is that what a Pfizer product? Yeah, and that's what he said. He said, I'm... I'm, I'm I didn't get it I yet, but I'm looking yet. forward to getting it. Right. It's brilliant, and it's shameless. And I don't know how anybody's falling for this crap anymore. But people definitely are. Well, it depends on where you get your news. It depends, even on, if depends you get, on who you even trust. Even if you're getting this from the mainstream, you've got to be scratching your head going, wait a minute. What? I hope you are. <laughs> I hope so. But I mean, as greater light, <clears throat> as greater light is shown or shined, what's the right past tense verb there? Sheened. As greater light is disseminated upon <laughs> us, as uh, like the dews from heaven distilling upon us, and the world becomes uh, filled with light, and and the darkness continues to fight. I think that it you you then as an individual are left with the choice of latching onto one or the other, and you can always break free. You can always switch sides or whatever. But I think it becomes harder the more that you invest in one side, 
the easier it is to assimilate the narratives of that side. You know, the, the well, gr- it's it's like a college football rivalry. You get even more invested in your team. Letting and go, it just doesn't matter because it's your team. Letting go of stuff like the efficiency or eff- efficacy of the vaccines or masks or the righteousness of mandates. Letting go of those things, if you've latched onto them, means admitting to yourself that you were fooled or that you were wrong. And that's something that's hard for people to do. It's no, hard to it's I hard agree. to look at yourself and your worldview and go, I'm wrong. I've been deceived. And that's part of the whole repentance process, the whole changing of the heart and mind. You have to right. realize I'm not on the right team. You need something better to latch on to. And so that's, I think, where the world is a little bit, it's messed up right now because they don't, you know, you don't want to just go, oh yeah, Alex Jones was right. Or you may have some sort of an aversion for Bobby Flood. I mean, I don't like the Fauci voice. I don't want to What's say, wrong with the Fauci voice? I don't want to say he was right. He's too flippant. He's too, <laughs> he's too comical. It's not serious <clears throat> enough to say that Bobby Flood was right. I can and Jordan a, Bruno, he is right out. I, I can do a serious Fauci voice. Okay, go ahead. The virus is very serious, <laughs> and we have to take it very seriously. It's not serious just because you say the word serious. I'm serious about this. Okay. (laughs) I am the science. Uncle Owen. (laughs) Well, yeah, and that's, that's the challenge we all have to face in our lives at some point. And probably over and over, you realize I'm wrong you know mark hamill is an excellent voice actor i did not know that he does a lot he does more voice actor stuff than he does like luke skywalker or on-screen stuff he did a hilarious harrison ford that i saw a while back i gotta go find that he's also kind of turned into a jerk like he's very political very uh okay i'm not gonna link to mark hamill then you guys go find that he's very um if you want to see it kind of hateful about like maga and and he, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, well, if you Google Mark Hamill, Harrison But he is Ford a talented, voice. he is a very talented voice actor. He's been the voice of a lot of cartoon characters that you probably didn't know were him. I can't think of yeah, him on very the top of my head. For but. sure. And I think he's done a good job as Luke Skywalker. They just ruined, they ruined the character of Luke Skywalker in these later episodes. But mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, Everyone, thanks for listening. We we do appreciate you. We appreciate the comments and the discussion. We'd love to have more of that. Um, tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where... No, uh, just give us five-star ratings. We'll do that, but you can still tell us where we're wrong. Okay, yeah, five-star ratings, but go ahead and... Uh, Share us with your, with your friends. Share us with your, you know, your, your family that uh, may be not ready to hear us. And uh, maybe they'll get mad at you, <laughs> and then you can blame us. And then everybody loses. So maybe not. On that note, <laughs> it's very serious. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really enjoy the conversation. Today was great, Bobby. I'm glad we talked about this. I now have a big assignment, though. Uh, how, there, how many hours of video is this I got to go through? It's two seasons. I think and there's... It's Jesus stuff? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a few... It's probably four-ish hours, five... I don't know, probably more than that. I think there's seven or eight episodes per season, and they vary from 30 to, 30 to 40 60 minutes. minutes each. So Okay, so like during Elder's Quorum. 
Yeah, you could knock out a couple during Elder Scorn. Or the upcoming general don't, conference. Don't go there, Mr. Flood. Well, I'm just saying there's an upcoming conference, generally. Generally. <laughs> generally. You could have one on one screen and one on the other. Which one is muted is up to you. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, it was the Equinox last week. Mm-hmm. We out, we out in the out, great outdoors. Yeah, what on, what on was Thursday. the actual day? I think day? it was Thursday the 22nd. Thursday I was here, but I was uh, I spent Friday, Saturday and, and Sunday in the great outdoors. It's still a a really good time, and this is my closing words. It's still a really good time. And there's a reason why, you know, conferences are held around certain times of year. Festivals were held on mm-hmm. in certain times of year. Holidays, holy days occur on in certain times of year. Uh we've talked about that. It's a great time to go outside and just think about what it would be like to live in the ancient world where you were not tempted by your phone or your television or your telephone. Like even think of the old telephones that ring that uh, you'd have sitting on your wall. Right. Back in the day when there was none of that and there probably weren't as many neighbors, just imagine yourself looking up at the stars, watching the movement of the planets. If you can find a place without light pollution, that's that's a really cool thing. If you live in the Intermountain West, experience. you can find that pretty easily. Yeah, you can go a couple of hours and you can see the night sky <clears throat> in, in sort of an unadulterated way. And, live, and it's alive. It's alive with light. If you live east of the Mississippi, it's going to be harder. Yeah. But, but you can go out there and you can put yourself sort of in the shoes of somebody who lived in the ancient world and you can think about that. Hey, I'm experiencing the movement of the planets on the ecliptic and here the sun's changing angles throughout the year. And and that ecliptic line is changing angles throughout the year from, from South to center to North, you you know, and you could, you could orient yourself and then you could look up into the Northern sky and see those undying stars as they circle around and, and imagine the path up there through the Milky way. You can, you can kind of think about that being your living television set, your, your great, deep your your ocean of the sky where the creatures of the deep reside thy mind oh man must Must stretch yes and if you live east of the mississippi please please stay there (laughs) we're full we do have some listeners (laughs) east of the mississippi that are really cool people we're full those are the ones that get angry with us for not putting the podcast out faster well there's a famine in the land you joined our patreon we could <laughs> maybe get it out faster. How much faster do they want? More than once a week? Well, there, there's some friends that live out here that want it more than once a week. Uh, just l- a couple of weeks ago, or last week, I can't remember, I was getting some flack for not having it out by, by noon on Tuesday. I would, what I would say from some people back to east. you guys is, have you listened to every episode? Every minute of every episode. If you've, if you've listened to every minute of every episode, then you've got a legitimate complaint. I'm taking it as a compliment. Look. You, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's you, cool. You, you, don't, you. you don't have to listen. For the listeners out there, you don't have to feel like you have to listen to every episode. If you tune in. But if you're going to complain about you. our pacing, then you need to. You, there's, and you not listen to every minute of every episode, then you still got work to do. <laughs> And if we went any faster, you'd only become farther behind. Some of the <laughs> some of these conversations have been about current events, and those days have passed. Somewhat, yes. Although I think I think we're 
the the current events are astounding. Oh yeah, I saw something that there's this five second clip that perfectly encapsulated our situation. It was a blind man, and Joe Biden was latched onto the arm of the blind man, and the blind man was leading Joe Biden across the stage until someone else, and they were both sort of stumbling along. (laughs) Really? And then someone else came and intervened and took the arm of the blind man and led him off, and they left Joe Biden alone on the stage, just sort of (laughs) standing there looking around like... And he kind of puts his arms up like, hey, everybody. Yeah. I was like, talk about the blind leading the blind. Wow. We're heading for that. We're headed for a ditch. Uh, I hope so. Maybe I could find that again. uh, I'll remind you later. Okay. All right, everybody. We got to be done with this. Got to get on with the day. Yeah, we got to get this out. So so hold the mob at bay. Don't get upset. Okay, everybody. Thank you. Uh, We will talk to you again next week we are the mind virus podcast find us on the web at mindvirus.show the website pages are actually interesting and have a lot of sources indeed okay have a great week